song that those fellas sang. And it's also a great reminder of the great principle of faith. And I hope that you come by faith tonight, faith to expect a blessing, faith to expect to hear the still small voice of the Lord through the word of God. And as it is preached to you, please take your Bible and open up to Psalm 129, 129. All right. Psalm 129. If you're able, I'd like to encourage you to stand to your feet as we read God's word together. We'll read the first four verses. I'll make a comment and we'll have a word of prayer and then you may take your seats. Psalm 129. Would you read the first four verses with me out loud, please? Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, may Israel now say. Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. The Lord is righteous. He hath cut asunder the cords of the wicked. Now you might be thinking that's a strange portion of scripture to read. And I would agree that is a little bit unusual. But we live in unusual times, folks. And... I felt that it was the right time to preach on the prevailing Christian because we live in a whole new world. It's not the same world that it was a year ago. No one had any inkling of an idea of what we'd be living now these days. Uh, as far as I know, the world has never seen anything, anything quite like this. I know they point back to the Spanish flu back in around uh, 19. 17 in in around there that time but I do believe that this is different I believe it's a whole different world and it's not just COVID-19 it's everything else that you can possibly think of all of the the nations are rattling their sabers they're angry with each other the superpowers of the world angry with each other um, the, the weather is convulsing we're seeing more storms hurricanes earthquakes Record-setting temperatures, forest fires. We're seeing prices go crazy. We're beginning to see the beginnings of what looks like a peace agreement with Israel and some of its Muslim neighbors, because I think you already know that the United Arab Emirates have said we are going to sign an agreement, a peace agreement with Israel. That's going to be this Tuesday, by the way. And now the Muslim nation of Bahrain has gone on board as well. So there's two of the Muslim nations. Now it's not exactly the seven-year peace treaty that we're looking for, but it might be the beginning of it. But what a crazy, mixed-up, messed-up world. And the good news is we're going to get through it. We will prevail. That's what I want to talk about tonight. And the key of it all is faith. If you... Lose your faith, lose sight of your faith, then, uh, oh boy, that can be a pretty rough ride. But faith is what will ground us and give us stability and peace, something the world sure doesn't have right now. Let's pray now together. Our Heavenly Father, help us to 
once again see from your word the great promises that you have for your people. And it doesn't matter what goes on in the world. What matters is that God is still on the throne. Nothing takes you by surprise, Lord. Please increase our faith tonight. Increase our joy as well. Father, please increase also our worship, our obedience, our sense of service and sacrifice for you as long as we draw breath. And that may not be much longer the way the world is going and Jesus may be coming sooner than we think. And dear Father, while we're at it, would you please show us your will about that 104 building? Lord, you can do miracles. We just heard the, the three men singing about what faith can do. and Help us to use our faith because Jesus told us, according to our faith, be it unto you. And he assured us that if we abide in him and his word abides in us, then we, we will ask what we will and it shall be done. And Jesus said, herein is my father glorified that ye bring forth much fruit. Herein shall ye be my disciples. Help us to take hold of those promises and to stand upon them. Bless tonight, we pray in Jesus' name, we ask. Amen. Please be seated. This psalm here, Psalm 129, speaks of Israel's past afflictions and difficulties and her deliverance by God. God is the one who gives deliverance. In verse 1, it says, Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth. May Israel now say so. Back in Israel's youth, she was afflicted horribly, terribly. That happened in Egypt. Her 400 years in Egypt that she spent there. And if you look at verse 3, it says, The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. They made deep cuts with the whip on the backs of the Israelites there in Egypt. Verse number four, the Lord is righteous. He hath cut asunder the cords of the wicked, the bondage cords, which uh, the same sort of idea that you would tie an ox, say to a plow and bind the, uh, the ox is the same idea here. And verse two is the key. Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. The word prevail means to overcome. That's what the word prevail means. Not to battle per se, but to uh, win the battle to overcome. And the testimony to the glory of God here is that the uh, afflictors did not overcome, did not prevail. And they've been trying for thousands of years to overcome the Jews. You know that from your knowledge of history. There's been many world powers that have tried to wipe out the Jews off the face of the earth. But although they've caused affliction, they've not been able to do it. They've not been able to wipe them out. Why? It's because of the wonderful God that we serve. And Israel is still the apple of God's eye. God is not finished with Israel. So this word prevail, meaning to overcome or also to have an ability over someone. 
I'm reminded of Revelation chapter 5 when the book, seven sealed book, was shown and there was no one found worthy to open the book. And then it says in verse 5, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book. The Lord Jesus Christ, while he was on earth, he prevailed prevailed over all of the world, the flesh and the devil prevailed over all of the experience of the cross, everything, everything that came at him, he overcame, he prevailed. And so it's kind of a a nice thought, if you will, that here we are weak humans. We're God's children through faith in Jesus Christ, but we're still weak in the flesh we, we can't see tomorrow. We don't know what's coming afar off. We have trouble even protecting that little which we have around us. So there's not a whole lot of strength, power, and wisdom that we can claim to. But we've got a God who's got it all. And through him, we can not only prevail, but the Bible says we are more than overcomers. It doesn't matter what the world, the flesh, or the devil can throw our way. We can overcome. We honestly can. I think this is so important for us these days in a world that is topsy-turvy. I do believe that God puts his people on the prevailing side. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, it says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Are you born of God tonight? Do you have the born-again experience? Is Jesus Christ in your heart? Can you point to a time where perhaps not quite the the day or the hour, but can you point to a time in your life where you were born again? Is is there a time that you can point to? Now myself, I have a, a year, a month, a day. I know what day of the week it was, and I know what hour of the day it was as well. Now, not everyone is able to do that, but God can do that with all of us. With all of his children born again into his family, God can point to not only the hour, but to the minute, to the second, maybe the nanosecond. God is able to do that. When parents give birth to a a baby, that's a very important event. And so the time is carefully recorded. The weight is carefully recorded. Everything about the baby is taken down and recorded. The mom is usually one of the first to look at the baby and count the fingers and toes. The little things are important. Can you remember when you were born again? Have you had that born again experience? Because there's honestly, there's many people who go to church all over the world. Never been born again. And it was the same in the first century. And it's the same here in the 21st century. In the church at Corinth, Paul wrote to them and said, for many have not the the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. And what he was saying was that there are people in your church that are not born again. They're not saved. You need to be praying for them and teaching them, and showing them how to be saved. Here at Grace Baptist Church, we try to throw out the lifeline every time we have opportunity. Sometimes, you know, I know pretty much who's sitting in the pew. I know who's saved, who's not saved but I don't always. And sometimes it comes as a surprise to me when someone raises their hand and inside, I think I thought they were saved. I thought they were born again. And there I I go making assumptions. 
And yet the Holy Spirit of God spoke to their heart. They raised their hand. It's true. Sometimes saved people are confused if they're saved or not, and they'll raise their hand. That does happen. I've seen that happen over the years. But Daniel chapter 3, verse 17 says, Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us because God puts his people on the prevailing side of life. So remember, it's not our power. It's God's power. But we need to keep our eyes upon the Lord. When we start taking our eyes off God and put put our eyes on the world, or say one eye on God and one eye on the world, or as the Bible says, half a mind on God, half a mind on the world, we become double-minded. And then we become, become unstable in all our ways. If you're here tonight and you're born again, or if you're watching over the internet and you're saved, you're born again. You cannot afford to have half your heart for the Lord and half your heart for the world because you really will be on shaky ground. We have to put our whole heart on the Lord, folks. That's just the way it works. When two people come and get married, each one expects the other to give them their heart, not half a heart. Well, honey, I'm going to give you half my heart, but the other half of my heart is going to be for some of my previous girlfriends. No, 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 that's not going to work. (laughs) No happy marriage there. It has to be the whole heart given to each other in order to make the, the marriage work. Some people have the mistaken idea marriage is 50-50. That's the, one of the biggest lies, I think. Marriage is not 50-50. It's 100-100 because that's what it takes to make a good marriage. And 50 is just not going to cut it. No wonder we have so many marriages in trouble these days. We must understand something. When we got saved, we actually belong to the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20 says, What? Know ye not? that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit that you have within you. The Bible tells us in, in the very next verse that our body and our spirit belong to God. Say, so how is it they belong to God? Because we are bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. When you were born again, the Lord made a payment, his blood for you. You're bought with a price. At one time, Satan was your father. Your destiny was eternal hell. You cried out to Jesus saying, save me. You repented of your sin and exercised faith. And he applied his blood. He made a payment. His blood, his death, burial, resurrection, and his blood. And he bought you. You're now purchased possession. You belong to him. That's why Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 tell us to Give our bodies, present our very bodies as a living sacrifice. Let God have your body because it belongs to him anyhow. And it's our reasonable service, meaning that it's, you can reason it out. It just makes sense. It makes absolute good reason to do that, to give your body to God. If you've never done that, do that tonight before you go to sleep. Get by your bedside, get on your knees and say, Lord, I've never done this before, but I want to give you my body. Right now, Lord, if you'll take it, I want to give you my physical body, my gift to you, Lord. You do that, write the date down so you don't forget it. You may have to use that, you know, to remind yourself that, oh, I gave my body to God. But you do that and you'll find that your Christian life will will change. You'll be on the upswing. Well, wouldn't that be nice? 
Well, I do believe that it's him. It's God who carries us through. And we have abundant evidence of that. Now turn back, please, to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Some of you have it memorized. Psalm 23. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23. And I'd like you to read out loud, please, one verse. Verse number three. Psalm 23, verse three. Read it out loud now with me. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's why he does these great things. It's for his name's sake. You know, in Luke chapter 12, the Lord Jesus said to us these words, Fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You see, this is all the Lord's doing. He will lead us like a shepherd. He will give us the kingdom because it's his pleasure to do it. Philippians 1 6 says he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The good work he started in you started when you got saved. Maybe before that, even as he was sowing the word of God into your life and bringing soul winners and testimony and witness to you, then you got saved. Boy, then the work really began. Ever since that day, day after day until today, God has been perfecting and performing in you. This is all God. This is a wonderful God that we love and we serve. This is the prevailing, it, it results in the prevailing Christian. And COVID-19 is not going to thwart the plans of Almighty God. Oh, someone may lose their job because of COVID-19, but they're not going to lose their God because of COVID-19. They may lose their cash flow or source of income for a period of time, but they're not going to lose their salvation because of COVID-19. It's not going to happen. You know, the wonderful thing about a piece of driftwood is that it has the ability to keep bobbing back up to the surface, even in the worst of storms. Out on the East Coast now, the East Coast, particularly of America, it's hurricane season and the hurricanes are beginning to gang up, which has never happened before. And they're coming inland and they're causing incredible destruction. Again, another warning from God. Wake up, wake up. You throw a piece of driftwood into any one of those hurricanes at sea. Doesn't matter. The waves that come crashing down, sending it down deep into the, the, the ocean. It'll just come bobbing back up. That's the wonderful thing about driftwood. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3, it says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And in chapter 3 of the same book, verse 11, Paul spoke and he said, What persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. You know, one of our problems, one of the ways that we sink our own ship one of the ways that we shoot ourselves in the foot or cause ourselves damage is to think too highly of ourselves. Sometimes we think, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm good. I'm not only good, I'm, I'm gooder stuff. <laughs> Boy, that's how good I am. I'm not only good, I'm gooder. There's no way God would ever do this to me. There's no way that I would ever lose my footing. We think too highly of ourselves. And the Bible says not to do that. That's a mistake. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. 
And the people who kind of think that they're standing, they think, oh, I can do this. I got the power. I got the strength. I got everything going for me. Man, I've got six months of good Christian living behind me. Boy, I'm just going good. I'm bulletproof. Be careful. Be careful. We live day by day with the Lord. And if the Lord wants to, he's just got to blow upon all our stuff and it's gone. Just like that. It wouldn't take much for the Lord to reduce us to zero. You've got family, you've got wealth. So did Job. And look in a moment of time how he was reduced to zero. None of us want that to happen to us. But you know, we don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. We just don't know, do we? It's possible that COVID may have some kind of repercussion that's going to affect your job, your income, the company you work for. You say, well, it won't affect mine. I'm safe and secure. Well, don't forget, it's going to affect others. And those others could be criminals who could break into your home in the middle of the night. It's like the guy... <laughs> It's a humorous story. Back in the 1929 stock market crash, when everything fell apart. And, you know, people, did you know this, that they were actually throwing themselves out of buildings way up high to kill themselves because they owed so much money? Did you know that? The 1929 stock market crash, it was so bad, so bad. Fortunes were wiped out and men were killing themselves. And uh, in fact, I read a book by Conrad Hilton, the Hilton Hotel guy. And he said that he owned some hotels and those were his hotels that men were throwing themselves out of to kill themselves. And the 1929 stock market crash. And the joke is that this guy, he uh, opens up the newspaper there, buys a newspaper from the guy on the street, opens it up there, stock market crash. You know, everything, stocks are falling. You know, millionaires are now uh, penniless. And the guy folds the newspaper and he smirks. And the, um, the, the newsstand salesman said, what are you laughing about? He says, well, I just sold all of my stocks yesterday for $5 million. This doesn't affect me at all. And he turned to walk away. And a man who threw himself out of the window comes and lands right on him and kills him. I know it's a bad joke. <laughs> Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. It'll never affect me. I'm so insulated. Oh, really? And what about your health? How about that? You know, in a moment of time, God can just put you in a hospital just like that on life support. And it could happen to any of us. Find one moment and the next poof, you have a stroke, a heart attack, an aneurysm, something. The secret, don't count your life too dear. You know, suffering really isn't that bad. Some of us may be called upon to go through some suffering. It's not that bad because God always looks after and always blesses. If you get some bad news tomorrow about your job or, or something in your family, we'll take it to the Lord. But remember, give God thanks because God knows what he's doing. Claim Romans eight twenty eight that all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Give God thanks for it. Even though you don't understand what's happening by faith, give him thanks. That's what he's waiting for. And then he'll begin to turn the situation around. 
uh, you know, death isn't so bad because it's the quickest way into the presence of the Lord Jesus. Philippians is considered the joy book, the book of joy in the New Testament, the book of Philippians. And yet chapter one, verse 21, Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm talking tonight about the prevailing Christian. It doesn't matter what comes our way. Like a piece of driftwood, we can float to the top. There's different ways of prevailing. Listen, time can prevail over physical wounds. Isn't that right? Every one of us has experienced that. You get a pinprick or a cut or something. Ooh, it's too bad. But you put a bandaid on it and give it a kiss. And in time, you take the bandaid off. Where's the wound? It's gone because time prevailed over the wound. Isn't that right? Sure it is. Prayer prevails over personal sin and circumstance. Never forget that. Prayer. Pray for the building. Number three, integrity will prevail over enemies and hatred. Death even prevails over life, at least for the Christian it does, for those that are born again. If you're here tonight and you're not born again, death for you will not be so happy. Death will not prevail over life for you. Well, I'd like you to take your Bible and turn to turn back to Proverbs. Sorry, turn ahead. Did I say back? I meant ahead. Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24. This is a great verse. Proverbs chapter 24. And we've got a a wonderful comparison between the just and the wicked. And I'd like you to read out loud with me, please. Verse number 16, Proverbs 24 and verse 16. We're talking tonight about the prevailing Christian. Verse 16, read it out loud with me. For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Here we have a wonderful verse that reveals to us the prevailing power of the Christian. And the power is not in the Christian. The power is in God who makes the Christian buoyant and makes the Christian to overcome and to prevail. We need to keep looking to God every day and we need to be thanking him because it is his will for us to overcome. That's abundantly clear. Old and New Testament It's abundantly clear for God to help us to be overcomers or more than overcomers. There's an interesting story that was written back in 1938 by Claire Bishop. And the the story was called the five Chinese brothers. How many have ever heard the story of the five Chinese brothers? No one. Okay. Let me ask you folks watching on the internet. Let me see any raised hands. No, I don't see one. Okay, well, let me tell you the story of the five Chinese brothers. Once upon a time, there were five Chinese brothers and they were identical. They were twins. (laughs) Is that what you call five twins? I'm not sure, but they were absolutely identical. And the thing is, each one of them had a different ability. The The first brother could hold the ocean in his mouth. Now that's quite a feat to be able to suck up the whole ocean, hold it in your mouth. The second brother had an iron neck. The third brother had legs that could stretch for as long as he wanted. 
the fourth brother had um, um, a, uh, a, a body that was um, fireproof, couldn't be burned. And the fifth brother was able to hold his breath indefinitely. And so the first brother, they lived close to the sea. And the first brother would come every morning into the, the market with these great big beautiful fish that he caught out of the ocean. This is the first brother. And he would sell them for lots of money. There was a little boy there and said to him, listen, would you take me with you? No, I can't do that. I, that'll never happen. But the boy, you know, sometimes boys just don't let you go. They're like a little pit bull. They just hang on. Oh, please, mister, let me go with you. All right, listen, I'll let you go under one condition is that you do what I tell you. You obey me. You think you can do that? Oh yeah, no problem. I can do that. I can do that, said the boy. All right, so the next morning, the boy goes with the Chinese brother. And so the Chinese brother tells him again, now listen, you promised. You obey me. Okay, yes, yes, no problem, I will. Okay, so the Chinese brother bent down and he sucked up the whole ocean in his mouth. And of course, all of the fish were flopping there. And the little boy, he ran out and was filling his pockets with trinkets and things. The Chinese brother picked up a few fish and then started feeling the weight of the ocean. I mean, you, if you tried holding the ocean in your mouth, it would you know, be quite a burden. And so the Chinese brother made motion to the boy to come back. But the boy looked at him and just ignored him and went on grabbing more things. The Chinese brother was starting to feel the weight of the ocean. He couldn't hold it much longer. He was making some frantic motions to the boy. The boy looked and understood, but he laughed and he tore off, ran off further out. Finally, the brother could hold the ocean no more and it came spewing out and the boy was never seen again. Well, the next day the police came and they arrested the brother and they took and tried him. And they condemned him to, be, to death. And they, they, they said to him that uh, they're, they're going to execute him, chop his head off. And so the brother said to the judge, Your honor, sir, would you allow me to go home and bid my mother goodbye? And the judge said, yes, it's only right. It's only fair. Go. And so the Chinese brother went home and his second brother with the iron neck came in his place. And so they lined him up there in the public square and everyone was there. And the guy raised the sword and bang. And they tried a couple of times. They couldn't cut his head off. Well, all of the people were enraged. They thought, we're not going to let this criminal get away with that. And so what they decided was that they were going to, to, to throw him in the ocean. So they said, we will throw you in the ocean. And so the young man said, okay. And the next day, he said to the judge, judge, before you throw me in the ocean, may I go home and bid my mother farewell? And the judge said, that's only right. Okay, off you go. So he went home and his next brother came. This is the brother with the long legs. So they took him out into the ocean, the deep part of the ocean. They, they tied some cords around him and they threw him into the ocean. Well, right away, he started stretching his legs all the way down to the bottom of the ocean. And he stood there smiling like this. And they looked at him. They couldn't believe it. We can't drown him. We can't drown this fellow. Couldn't cut his head off. Can't drown him. And they were angry. They said, he will not escape justice. They said, we'll, we'll put him to death. So they got him back up into the boat and they brought him back. And they, they told the judge what happened. And the people in the town were all angry. They said, we will burn this guy at the stake. And so 
you know what's coming. The young man asked the judge, before you kill me, may I go home and bid my my mother farewell? And the judge said, sure, it's only right. So off he went. And then his next brother came in his place. This is the brother that was fireproof. And so they tied him to the stake and they put all these wood there and threw, you know, some combustibles on there and lit it and up it went. And there was the guy standing there saying, my, what a pleasant day. What a pleasant day it is. And the people were enraged. They threw more wood, more wood, huge bonfire. And the brother stood there saying, ah, now at last I'm warm. Thank you. And finally, the wood was all burned out. And the people, they couldn't believe it. But they said, he is a criminal. He must die. They said, we will, we will smother him is what we'll do. And so the next day before they, they executed him, he said to the judge, your honor, may I go home and bid my mother farewell? Well, it's only right. Off you go. So he went home and the last brother came. And they took, they took him and they, they had a sort of a hut, sort of a building that they filled up with cream. So there was no air in there. And they took him and they threw him in there and closed the door. And they thought he might be able to, to last for a, maybe a half hour, but he'll never last more. And so they stayed and after half hour, let's give him another hour. And they said, ah, let's wait the whole day. Some of them finally said, let's stay all night just to make sure he's dead. And this is the brother that could hold his breath. And so finally, the next day, after 24 hours, they said nothing could survive. And they opened the door and out he comes. And he says, oh, what a good night's sleep I had. And so finally, the people were shaking their heads and the judge was there. And he said, they all figured together, well, we can't kill him. He must be innocent. And so he went home and the brothers lived happily with their mother for many years by the seaside. Now that's the story of the five Chinese brothers. Isn't that a good story? Look, I saved you the price of the book. The point being, the prevailing, the overcoming, no matter what they threw at this young Chinese man, he, he was able to overcome. You see what I'm saying? Interesting story, don't you think? Now, there is another story about two brothers. I believe it was in Australia. Now, the first one was just a fiction story, but I think this one was true. I read this many years ago. These two brothers were caught for stealing sheep. And so what, what they did was they took a branding iron and they put the letters like for sheep thief S T in their foreheads. They branded with a hot iron. And they said, there, there's your punishment. Everyone will know you're a sheep thief. And so one of the brothers couldn't stand the public shame. And so he, he took off, he left town. And he moved from here to there and everywhere people were saying, what is this thing? And oh, and he took off to another place. And finally, as a vagabond, he, he died as a nothing, as a nobody. The other brother decided he couldn't escape his shame. And so he thought he would stay and overcome the shame of it with good works. And many years went by and he became a very respected and honored and venerable man in, in the town. And by this point, he was up in years. Someone new to town came and noticed this older man with the letters ST in his forehead. And he asked one of the locals, he said, I've seen a man in town here and he's got the letters ST in his forehead. What's that all about? And the local said, well, I've forgotten the particulars of it, but I think it stands for saint. 
Do you see how we overcame? It may be that you have something, some baggage in your life that the devil has saddled you with. Maybe it's bad memories of something you did. Maybe it's something that you're still involved with. Well, you need to cry out to the Lord for help. That's for sure. But I'm telling you, God has given you all what you need to be a prevailing believer, to overcome. There is nothing that can happen to you that you cannot overcome by faith. Noah prevailed over the flood waters by faith. Jacob prevailed over the angel of the Lord by faith. Moses prevailed over mighty Pharaoh by faith. Joshua prevailed over all the Canaanite nations by faith. The three Hebrew men prevailed over the fiery furnace by faith. Daniel prevailed over the lion's den by faith. Paul prevailed over the jail in Philippi by faith. Second Corinthians chapter two, verse 14 says, now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. What I'm saying tonight is the prevailing Christian can overcome anything, anything that the world, the flesh or the devil throws at us through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are more than conquerors. Isn't that good news? Amen. There may be something difficult that you're going through at school or at work or perhaps in your own home. I'm not sure, but I know that in Christ you can overcome. A pastor, uh, Jack Hiles, he's dead many years now. He's gone home to heaven. There's some people that love him, some people that don't care for him. But there's an interesting story, that an experience that he went through that he happened to him. He was driving his car down the the street and he saw these boys in a fight and he thought, well, that's not right. And there was one great big boy and he was punching away at a smaller boy. And so pastor Hiles got out and he was going to, he was going to go and stop and break up this fight because it wasn't fair, wasn't matched. And so we got up there to break it up. And the little guy said, don't break it up, mister. He said, and the little, the little kid, a bloody nose and his to- clothes torn and everything. The bigger one was really whooping him. And the little kid said to Pastor Hiles, don't break it up, mister. And Hiles said, why not? And the kid said, because I haven't got my second wind yet. Now, some of you might know what that is. Some of you don't. But it's when, you know, you're going through something and you get kind of tired, but you keep at it. And somehow you get a second breeze, a second, second shot of energy or something. He said, I haven't got my second wind yet. All right. And so... Pastor Hiles stood back and let him go at it. And the big guy took after the little guy more. And then all of a sudden, the little guy jumped the big guy. And he fought him like a tiger and landed punch after punch. And in a short time, the little guy beat the big guy, the big kid. And Pastor Hiles, as he got in his car and drove off, the little kid had his foot on the chest of the big kid doing one of those. You may be going through a tough time now, but you will prevail. Or maybe this week, something will happen and you'll say, Oh no, give it to God. He will cause you to overcome, to prevail. That's what he does. A just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. You know, this COVID thing has really taken a, a, 
real ta taken us to task, really. And, and we got in quite a whooping over this thing. We can't have church like we used to. We can't knock on doors with the gospel like we used to. We can't have in missionaries like we used to. There's a lot of things we can't do. We got to start wearing masks now when we go into places like uh, the food store, grocery store. And I think Walmart now too, haven't they made for uh, wear masks and things? I, I carry one in my pocket here, just, you know, just in case I'm called upon. Say, Where's your mask? Right there, right there, <laughs> right there. Carry one with me. Never leave home without it now. Whatever it is that you're going through or what you will go through, the good news is you will overcome if you look to the Lord. If you don't look to the Lord, then you'll run around like a chicken without its head, scream and wail and bemoan and flop down. Keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus. Give your problems to him. Give your grievances to him. If there's something happening you don't understand, if there's something that's hurting you, give it to the Lord. Be it in your home or at work or at school or listen, maybe it's even something to do with church. Someone at church, give it to the Lord. Let the Lord have it because he can do for you what you can't do for yourself. The prevailing Christian. Let's close our eyes now and bow our heads for prayer. Loving, wonderful, heavenly father. Truly through you, we are more than overcomers. And like Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed. Well, that's us too, in a manner of speaking. As long as we walk close with Jesus, keep our eyes upon Jesus. Oh, Heavenly Father, I do pray that you would bless your people tonight. Those here and those that are watching. Lord, I pray you'd keep our church strong in these days. I pray you'd keep our families, our individuals, each one of us, Help us to be strong in you, stronger than ever before. Help us, Lord, not to speak out of turn, not to say unkind things, but to return love and goodness for any evil that may come our way. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but please help us, Lord, to hold your hand because you, you know what tomorrow is all about. We pray again, Lord, for our future. Even as a church family, Lord, lead us and guide us to do greater things for you than we ever thought possible. Yes, during these COVID days, when the people are shaking their heads and saying, oh, what can we do? There's nothing we can do. Lord, use us to do greater things for your glory. And we'll thank and praise you with all our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.